Today in the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, I'm talking to Andy Reynolds, who owns an accessible property in Cyprus. Villa Carpe Diem is a beautiful villa. I've actually stayed in there. And I'm going to be talking to Andy about the accessible nature of the property and why he built it to make sure it was accessible for people with disabilities. I'm also going to be talking about one of my favourite resources, which is Upwork. In case you need anything done, Upwork is just the great place to go. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Vacation Rental Success. It's always a delight to be with you. Today we're talking about accessibility and it uh, it got me thinking about the properties that we have within our property management company and we have you know, coming up on 180 properties. Just a handful of them, I would say, are I mean, not even fully accessible but are accessible in some way to people with a wheelchair Uh, people with a disability, perhaps somebody with a walker. We don't have that many. And I am on a bit of a mission for 2020 when I start talking to new owners and perhaps talking to some of our existing owners to discuss some form of retrofitting. Is there a way that they could create some form of accessibility into their properties, whether it's just by virtue of a ramp, you know, particularly if their doors are wide enough to allow wheelchair entry. And I know for some properties that we have that have bedrooms on the main floor and there aren't too many steps to get up into the house and they've got quite large bathrooms with walk-in type showers, that this is clearly a possibility. The reason I'm thinking about this is that I I came across an article on Logify and it was posted in back on March the 1st and it was written by um, Shreen Madipali who founded a company called uh, Accommable which was an accommodation startup focused on disabled-friendly travel listings and it was actually acquired by Airbnb in 2017. And this article gave some fairly startling statistics from the US saying that uh, around 12.8% of the US population has a disability of some sort. That's 319 million people who might experience some sort of issues when it comes to to travel. And and he goes on further to say that it could be over 15% of the world's population. So, you know, if you think about it, we're, we're talking about maybe people with physical disabilities, somebody in a wheelchair or perhaps somebody in a, on a walker, maybe the elderly as well, people who need walking aids to get safely around a property. It could be families who have children with autism, 
And this is a market. I hate to say, you know, that this is a market you should be looking at, but the, these are people, families, that are looking for accommodation and they have very specific needs. And there are a number of property management companies now who are designating pro- some of their listings as autism-friendly properties. So this is definitely something that we should be looking at. My mom was in a wheelchair for a number of years. She had a multiple sclerosis and she went into a wheelchair when she was in her mid-40s. And while she was still mobile, which was about five or six years after she was diagnosed, before she lost all movement, we, we would go out, we would try and make her life as normal as possible. And it was tough. We definitely couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't go and stay anywhere because at that time in England, it, it just wasn't possible to find anywhere that was accessible for a, a wheelchair. You might be able to get a wheelchair into a hotel, but then bathrooms were too small and you know, doorways were too narrow. And I always remember her frustration at not being able to go places that she'd always gone before. And and now she was almost denied entry. And then, um, you know, I have a granddaughter with a developmental disability. And and she is, while she's not in a wheelchair, she has, autis- or she has autism. So she needs a space which is quiet and full of the sort of sensory things that are important to her as somebody with autism. And I know that my stepdaughter does find it difficult to go and find the right place to take my granddaughter uh, on holiday for them to go as a family. You know, it's personal to me. And having said that, it's taken me a lot of years to figure out that we should be doing this in our own company and actually looking at different options for owners to make their properties more accessible. So there you are. That's the theme for this episode, or certainly for the interview in this episode, because I'm talking to Andy Reynolds, who owns a property in the Mediterranean island of Cyprus. You know, if you ever get the chance to go to Cyprus, you've got to go. And I stayed at Andy's villa three years ago and had the most amazing, amazing time. It was beautiful. Now, in the lower floor of the villa, Andy's created an entire accessible apartment. And in the building of the property, he made it fully accessible for wheelchairs with ramps and even to the point of providing a hoist to help somebody with a disability get in and out of his swimming pool. And he also provides a disabled vehicle. So I want Andy to tell you his thought processes behind building this property. So without further ado, I want to go on straight on over to the interview with Andy Reynolds. So I'm delighted to have with me today Andy Reynolds, who is the owner of Villa Carpe Diem in Maroni, Cyprus. And I've had the absolute pleasure of staying there for um, a week, a couple of years ago. Three years ago, actually, now, um, Andy, 
Uh, amazing how time flies. Time really does fly, Heather, doesn't it? It doesn't seem like five minutes ago, let alone three years ago. Yeah, yeah, because we because we came over to my uh, from 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 my son's wedding in Germany and then flew on from there. And yes, they're just approaching their third anniversary. So I don't like to see the passage of time these days. <laughs> it's kind of alarming at times how quickly things happen. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> so you're back in in UK, but the property in Cyprus is is still going on, right? Yeah, we moved back to UK in uh, December of last year. Um, We took that decision knowing that it could take some time to sell the property in Cyprus. And we also took the decision that should a suitable buyer come forward, they would have to live with the fact that, you know, the villa trades and does what it does um, and that any sale would have to take place uh, at the close of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still on the market. We've had interest from people. Um, it seems to be the thing at the moment that uh, everybody who expresses an interest is um, looking to get a bargain. And perhaps even more than a bargain, they want something for nothing. But time will tell. We we really need to find a buyer who is interested to continue to trade the villa as an accessible villa because that's it's that's its niche and the people that come and holiday there want it to continue it does provide people with some really splendid holidays so let's see what we can do well i wish you um, all the good fortune in in that and you know now talking about the the accessibility of the property i, I really want to cover all this to do with accessibility, why you decided to build an accessible property in the first place, and then go on to talk about the sort of research you did to um, to create the property it is today, because I was blown away when, when I saw what you had done. Come back and give us the, you know, the background to why you wanted to get into this niche. I had decided that I wanted to build the property on Cyprus, and I was in the process of designing plans with a local architect when a friend who I hadn't met for a number of years, a guy called David Croft, and um, David, who I'd known as a young, active teenager, had had a life-transforming accident. He'd been in Bermuda, where he was employed to work as a chef for one of the top hotels. He was anticipating fighting in the world inaugural karate championships, almost like the Olympic Games for karate. Uh, When he had an accident, he, he dived into some water, some shallow water from a not very great height. And the upshot of that was he became a tetraplegic. Oh, wow. So the... The young fellow that I knew as a tremendous athlete, a very gifted chef with a very promising career, had what we now term a life-changing accident. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he, he spent uh, a number of years coming to terms with his position and uh, ultimately returned to Cornwall to live. And as I say, I was back in contact with David and he said to me, Andy, I wouldn't mind having a holiday one day in Cyprus. And those were the words that made me think, do you know what? I can 
I can do this. I can design this property in a way that would enable David and people who find themselves in a similar or the same situation as him to have a holiday. I think it's worth also mentioning that I was in the fire, I had been in the fire service. And during my time in the fire service, I'd been significantly involved in the field of fire safety. So I was familiar not only with building construction, but also with um, fire safety features in buildings and also uh, building regulations and the various codes. So armed with that knowledge, I had discussions with um, the local architect on Cyprus and we took the measures that were needed to make the property as accessible as I could make it within the budget that I had to spend. So in doing that, I took some decisions that others might question and say, well, your property is not fully accessible. But the counter to that is, is that when he came to stay there, David's first comments were, I've stayed in accessible properties now all over the world. And this place is the best that I've ever stayed in, which for me was high praise indeed. Why, why would you say not fully accessible? Because I, I know because um, it has a separate accessible apartment on the lower lower level. Is, that, is, is, is the upper level not accessible at all for people with disabilities? Can they get in there? Okay, so for those people that haven't seen the property, there's a, a lower ground floor level, which is accessible. The ground floor level, which has all of the common areas, including the swimming pool, the veranda, barbecue area, and so on and so forth, again, that is accessible. And then on the upper floor, which is the first floor, that's only accessible by way of a staircase. So to be fully accessible, there would need to have been a lift in the property, Mm -hmm. which at the time that I was building it, it didn't suit the type of property that we were building at the time, and it certainly didn't suit the budget that I had available. Um, I had to get maximum out of the spend that I was spending at the time. And so that's how we arrived at where we are. I took the view that if we could provide very good accessible accommodation on the lower ground floor and then bring people together during the waking hours, that that would need to suffice. Well, certainly David seemed to think so. David seemed to think so. um, And I've really received no negative comments at all from people who've come to stay there. In fact, some people that have come to stay with us have very, very specific needs. The equipment provision that we've made is the thing that helps to define, you know, how accessible the property is for people with very particular needs. So it sounds it sounds like there's two levels here. There's the the actual construction part of it where you, where you're creating ramps you're creating the doorways of a of a of a width that um that would suit um wheelchairs you're creating the bathroom space and that that's really interesting can you just uh, d- just describe the, the bathroom and why that's different from just a, a normal t- sort of bathroom which might have a wider door and a few rails sure the bathroom that we that we came up with is, in essence, a wet room, which means that someone can, either in their wheelchair or in a a wheeled commode chair or wheeled shower chair, 
can, can get themselves into, shall we say, the, the shower area of the bathroom. And then it, they really don't have to pay any particular mind at all to um, where the water goes, how much water they use, how many towels they need to use, and so on and so forth. Um, so that that creates you know, an, an accessible space in that way. There needs to be room, for instance, for hoists. If a person would like to have a bath and they need to be hoisted into and out of the bath, you need to have space in which um, a personal assistant uh, or a carer can work together with that person to, to give them what they want. That's amazing. So, so as I say, two, the two levels here, one's the construction side, which, which creates the framework, I guess. And then there is all the thought that has to go into um, uh, the, the, the furnishing and the, and the fixtures and the fittings and the appliances. You're talking about hoists. And what, what, did, what did you have to um, fit into the property to enable sort of these hoists to work? Did you have to reinforce ceilings and that sort of thing? The, the construction of the property um, is reinforced concrete. So there are reinforced concrete pillars. The, the, the ceilings are a reinforced concrete slab. So with that type of construction, there's a lot of structural strength in the building itself. We have two uh, ceiling track hoists. One of them is a, a portable affair, um, which can be taken down and put up in any room of choice. Um, the other one is is a, a beam that um, is affixed to the ceiling. Today, if you wanted to um, or needed to, you could get a ceiling track that would go from the main bedroom um, all the way to the uh, wet room. We don't have one of those. You know, this is how the market, um, how the products that are available in the accessible market have developed over the last 10 to 12 years. So, so tell me about the accessible market from your perspective. Where do your, where do your guests come from? How are you finding them? And you know, what competition is there in this market? The accessible market is a large market, a surprisingly large market that to some extent, is underserved. It's getting better. We've contributed, I think, in some small way to that on the island of Cyprus, working working together with other people. And instead of to provide things for people rather than to say, oh, we can't do that, there will always be um, a need for accessible accommodation. And typically what we see is that if you've got one person in a group of people traveling that needs accessible accommodation, there will be probably another four to five people traveling with that individual, be they family members in some circumstances, be they groups of friends, or perhaps personal assistants and you know care, carers, um, depending. It really very much depends on the circumstances of the particular individual. From our standpoint, it, it really has been all about hearing what people need and doing what we can uh, to meet or perhaps even exceed those particular needs at any given point in time. And so over time, we've 
built up a range of equipment that we have available at the villa um, and include that as part of the overall package. Um, so that's the approach that we've taken. Um, and from our standpoint, what it means is that because the cost of providing equipment is not, you know, the equipment itself is not cheap, uh, we have to factor that into the cost of providing the holidays. Um, and our guests seem to be happy to pay what it costs to have a, an accessible holiday. And, and they really value being able to um, spend time uh, relaxing and enjoying themselves, as do we all. Yes, I mean, we're fortunate we didn't have to use any of the any of the equipment that you had when we stayed. Although, having said that, I did have a broken arm at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was blown away with the fact that you had the, the hoist to get people into a swimming pool. Also, that you offered as, a, as an optional extra was the, um, the adapted vehicle to enable your guests to actually go out and explore the island as well, which, you know, that, that's, that's something... I mean, is, is that usual in accessible homes? I wouldn't have thought that it was particularly usual, but when David first started to come on, on holiday with us, I would uh, be involved in helping him do manual transfers in and out of the car that we had at the time. And it fairly quickly became apparent to me that it wouldn't be something that we could offer guests in general. So we had to come up with a much better solution. And that solution was to, to get our own wheelchair accessible vehicle because, put simply, hiring a wheelchair accessible vehicle on site for us is uh, something that even to this day is very, very, very challenging to do. Mm -hmm. um, none of, as far as I'm aware, there are no vehicle hire companies that, that make a wheelchair accessible vehicle. Um, available uh, and all of the vehicles that there are on the island uh, are used by taxi companies uh, and so on and so forth so again there's a there's a potential niche there for someone who wants to um, perhaps uh, invest some time and energy into that um, it's there to be done but uh, <laughs> it hasn't been done as of yet and again and, and I suppose it is one of the things that you know does make us somewhat slightly unique oh it sure does i just want to move on to your to your marketing now i mean your website is wonderful i was looking at it this morning looking at um the access statement and you, you i mean you have absolutely everything written into that access statement for every room in the house not just the um accessible suite but I, I was noticing that even in, you know, in all the bedrooms upstairs, it says how, how far off the ground the mattresses are, what type of mattresses, even down to what the decor is and what the lighting is. How, how necessary do you, do you think that is to, to, to go to those lengths, even for those spaces that aren't accessible in the property? One of the things that I think defines um, the conversation with people who have access or, or, or other issues before they come on holiday is the level of detail to which they need to go to ensure that they can have a, a successful, happy time away from home. So for us to provide as much detail as possible up front is information that 
people who are looking at our property really need to make an informed decision. And when they can take into account all of the information that's there, um, there, there are people that stay with us who, who will use the rooms on the upper floor, who will have some form of, um, I hesitate to use the word disability, but they will have, there will be some issue for them where this information still remains relevant to them, despite the fact that they're, you know, they're not going to be a wheelchair user. They're mm-hmm. going, they're, they're, there's going to be some other uh, reason for them wanting to stay. Yeah, I love that because I was looking at that and I was thinking, oh, gosh, I wish my owners could provide me with that that level of information because it is just so useful. It's you know just to direct a guest who has the myriad questions about how many how many chairs are there around the dining table you know can can we seat everybody and they're looking at all those things and then looking at that access statement everything's there for them that aside how do you find these guests where are you actually advertising well i suppose in common with a, with a lot of holiday property owners we, we get approached by a lot of firms most of whom are not relevant to the audience that we seek to serve. So we we find our guests by going to the places where they're most likely to be. So if we go back to the to where we started with David, David is um, a member of um, the Spinal Cord Injury Group. So the SIA, the Spinal Injury Association, has a magazine and a website and we advertise there. There are a number of other specific charities uh, or organizations that, that seek to serve people, and we, we advertise with uh, th- those organizations. We also work in partnership with companies that specialize in provide, you know, finding holidays for people in, in this marketplace. Um, and we were, we were careful in selecting the two companies that we work with, we wanted to feel sure that that they were acting in the best interests of the people that they were serving in the way that we want to act in the best interests of uh, people that we serve. People come to us there. They come to us via our website. Um, we've paid some attention to the the things that that people tend to focus on when they visit the website. So, for instance, I use a piece of software called Hotjar and I don't know if you're familiar with it but it it shows us where the hotspots on the website are when people arrive and the things that interest them and their reasons for getting in contact and, and of course we also talk to people that come and stay and ask them how they found out about us and and use that feedback to to inform the marketing that we do. You obviously do a, a good amount of direct booking we do. Yeah. Uh, we're still represented on Home Away, but in a, a given season, we probably only get one booking via Home Away. We prefer, I think we prefer to book directly with people where we can. You know, you'll have had discussions with others, I'm sure, about the percentage that some of the big booking sites take. It, it, it pays us to do our own marketing. Well, it certainly seems so that when, when you're in a niche that you can 
connect with the specific people, the, the, the people who are actually looking for exactly what you've got, if you can find that connection, um, as you have done with the Spinal Injuries Association, then you can really circumvent the OTAs anyway. For, for sure. I mean, the any kind of scattergun approach simply is not going to work. You know, you need to really, we need to be focused on the people that we're seeking to serve. We do get a lot of repeat bookings from people. And as I said earlier, it's not just one person arriving. It's a, you know, it's it's a group of people arriving. The repeat bookings are good. And also the exchange of information, you know, one person tells another person mm-hmm. and, and then it goes on from there. But we've got guests that have been coming back to us for four or five as much as eight years well i want to come back and actually use the swimming pool (laughs) instead of instead of sitting there with a cast going this is not fair if i can i'd I'd like to just have a quick sort of shout out for sean flynn i think you guys met sean he's um part of the disabled divers uh, instructors and paddy and Sean has worked with us at the villa to provide uh, scuba diving sessions for um, people with access issues. And Sean's got a fabulous thing going on at the moment. They're actually uh, training Paralympic, uh, some, some people for Paralympics. And I'm, and I'm really delighted that his company, Freedom Divers Cyprus, are getting the recognition that they deserve. Um, and so... Yeah, for Sean and Demetra, have worked just so hard on this. I a quick shout out to them, really, would be great, Heather. That that's absolutely great. I mean, I, and I know Mike. Mike mentioned it the other day because Mike went diving with Sean, I believe. When um, he did, he was he was just mega impressed. So absolutely, and I think that that's that's another thing that if you're building for a niche market, if you're purpose building, it's not just the building the property; it's looking around. To finding to finding other services that that you know that that can service the guests that are going to come in to that property. Very much so. One of the things that that has been crucial for some of the people that come to stay with us um, is to have a, a means of transferring onto and transferring off of the aircraft that they arrive. Probably ninety eight percent of the guests that arrive arrive in Cyprus arrive by air. Um, and so there's a, a piece of kit called an Eagle Two Lifter, which is the the way in which a number of people who are wheelchair users need to get onto and off of the aircraft. They need to be transferred using this piece of kit. And working together with um, some people on the island and some people in the UK, we were able to get uh, the company that operate the airports on Cyprus to see the benefit of investing in the Eagle Lifter. If there wasn't an Eagle Lifter at Larnaca Airport, a number of guests that come to us simply would not be able to come to Cyprus. And so these are important connections that need to be made beyond the property, uh, like the connection with Sean and, uh, and others to, to facilitate activities for people. People want to join in. I yeah, think they want to be part part of things. I think that's great. Absolutely fantastic. Before we leave this, because our time's just about up, what um, can you can you just think of um, something that you could s- suggest for somebody who's thinking about build, purpose building a property? They've they've got this idea. Maybe they've got a piece of land. 
and they want to build something for a particular niche or audience, what advice would you have for them? I think that sitting down with somebody who fits the persona of your ideal guest, um, so someone that you you know that you're happy to sit down with who has traveled has experience listen to what they have to say and find ways in which you can incorporate their thoughts into what you're thinking about get it down on paper think about it think about how how it how it makes you feel i mean the the <laughs> The absolute joy in facilitating holidays is just incredible. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody wants to get into the accessible market, you know, there's there's, there's a, a payback there way way beyond the, the dollar or the euro or the pound value. Uh, and, yeah, so that's the way I think I would approach it. That's great, Andy. Absolutely. It's, it's such a shame that you're selling the place. But, you know, if anybody's listening to this... Uh, this episode and thinking of not purpose building a property but perhaps buying into a property that is already fully accessible and ready to go um you can do a quick pitch for the property right now andy <laughs> i'm not great at doing quick pitches Heather, but, <laughs> but, but but what i will say is is that we're looking creatively at ways in which we can continue or ways in which Villa Carpadium can continue to operate. Whether or not there are a group of people who'd like to crowdfund uh, a property to have for themselves and perhaps to share with others, whether or not there is an organisation that's interested uh, in providing short breaks or, or longer breaks um, for people with access needs. Um, we're open to all sorts of ideas that that would continue to see uh, the villa serve the audience that it serves so well. Definitely, you've got some great ideas there, and I hope it all works out for you. I'm sure that everybody that's come to Villa Carpe Diem just is is so thankful to you for all the thought and attention to detail that you've put into it. I was certainly thankful f- for it just being there it was it is a beautiful beautiful property and kudos to you and nikki for creating it so thank you so much for for joining me andy it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again i would love to get out to cyprus again one day and um if so i know where i'm staying (laughs) well if if the property's still with us you're very (laughs) welcome to come and stay and if if any of your listeners or 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 audience uh, in in whatever way shape or form want to get in touch um we're always more than happy to chat to people and to uh, answer any questions they have oh that's wonderful well thank you enjoy the rest of your day andy thanks heather that was so great I absolutely loved staying at Villa Carpe Diem. It was the most beautiful property. I, I could have stayed for a lot, much longer. We were able to go explore parts of Cyprus. Uh, I'd never been to that island before. And there is just so much to see and the the history and just beautiful, beautiful place. Um, so one day... Maybe I'll be able to go back there again and uh, if uh, if Andy still has the property or if it's still rented by somebody else, the person who comes along and buy, comes along and buys it, 
then I would probably stay again. I'm encouraging my my stepdaughter to uh, to take Freya there because I think it would be absolutely... She loves to swim, so to be able to get in and out of the pool so easily would be amazing. And and to have all those aids as well would be a, a, a terrific, terrific thing. So in, in researching for this episode, you know, I was looking for uh, sites that had accessible properties and and came across an article on VRM Intel which was uh, back in in March of uh, 2019 and it was about uh, Villa Key which is a company in um, based in in Miami and they have an autism friendly collection uh, which is a selection of of 200 plus properties and they work with homeowners and property managers to identify and upgrade homes with certain criteria. So they're looking for a quiet location, soft lighting, soft and neutral colors with soft sheets on the beds, fragrance-free cleaning products, anything that minimizes stimulation. These properties are encouraged to be pet-friendly because many kids with autism have service pets. And something else, which is a, it's an I would imagine a relatively simple retrofit, which is alarms on exit doors to alert caregivers if a family member with ASD wanders off. And I know that um, that my stepdaughter has this on on her doors at home. So their their front door opens out into the street, and they have an alarm on the door in case um, in case her daughter decides that she's going to take a wander outside. And of course, a security fence around a pool, which which you'd expect anyway, but also thought being given to the kitchens because parents will be cooking often specialized meals and because their their kids often have allergies and they don't get to um, to eat out. So they want this really great opportunity to eat in and have a really good kitchen to prepare food in. I'll put a link to Villa Key on the show notes. Go and have a look at their autism-friendly collection. So you can, you'll be able to check out and see what those homes look like and how they're being listed. I think that one is, is a great opportunity if you're able to offer um, autism-friendly features in your home. And that's that's certainly something that um, that I'm going to be um, I'm going to be looking at uh, as as I search for new owners for our property management company. We're going to be just nudging them in the direction of being more accessible. So take a look at your property, see what you could do. I'd love to hear from you if you've got some ideas. Okay, moving on to my resource of the week. And I wanted to talk today about Upwork. So Upwork is a freelancing platform. And you, you may have heard of it. You may not. But you might be surprised to know it has been around since 1999 as a global freelancing platform. So yeah, it was founded in, well, let's say Elance was founded in 1999. I remember the old Elance. And then there was Odesk. And then the two merged, and after they they merged to form Elance hyphen Odesk, and then it was renamed Upwork. So I've been using a 
form of this freelancing platform for a long, long time. And I've used it for a whole range of things. Now, I have to say they have not all been successful. And and I've learned a lot over the years of using these platforms about how to go about hiring the right person on Upwork. Now, at the moment, I'm using two separate freelancers from Upwork and have been doing for quite some time. One of them is a fabulous uh, graphic designer in Germany. He's been creating some of my webinar slides and does a really, really good job at it. One of the things with working with freelancers is that you want to make sure that they can communicate well, they communicate in a timely fashion, and that you are very comfortable with that communication. So you want to make sure that they have a good grasp of the your first language and that they communicate well on the platforms that you like to use. So with uh, with Rafi who who's doing my graphics uh we we communicate on slack and he is astonishingly good um very very responsive the moment i have a question and and i've been super pleased with uh, with him um beginning to work with a new freelancer who's going to be doing some of the work on my podcast i do most of the editing myself but now we have this new format it takes a little while to stitch everything together and make sure that one part of the episode links into another and we get this nice flow. So I've been talking to a lady in the Philippines who specializes in uh, podcast editing and you can find somebody to do just about anything for you. Now you, I'm talked about Fiverr before and Fiverr is great for tiny little jobs. I mean, I've used Fiverr for having a form created that I wanted to make into a PDF, uh, a fillable PDF. And I would go to Fiverr for that. But if I wanted something that was a little bit more long-term or something that's a bit more complicated, I would definitely turn to Upwork because I can interview the people. I can talk to them on Skype. I can talk to them on Zoom, uh, have a really good conversation, make sure that we feel um, matched up and then we can go ahead and create a, a contract on Upwork. And everything I do goes through Upwork. Upwork takes their uh, their commission. We des- I decide directly with the provider, with the freelancer, what price we're going to uh, go for. And it's not always the one that's shown. If it's, if it's a specific job, you just want one job done, you might negotiate a single price for it. If it is a longer term job, then perhaps you go for an hourly rate. That's entirely uh, up to you. But I definitely recommend uh, at least checking it out When you're in a position where you're thinking, can I do this myself? Shall I teach myself how to do this? And I've been there so many times. Um, I came across a a product called Airtable a while back and it looked so great online. What it is, is basically um, Excel spreadsheets made pretty. 
and they're all linked. So it's a sort of Excel versus uh, um, or Excel stroke access type of database product. The reason I mentioned it was it looked so pretty and it looked so easy and I thought I could do this. And I just got so bogged down in trying to learn how to do it that I must have spent 15, 20 hours on this thing before I abandoned it. And then somebody said to me, well, there's tons of people out on Upwork who will create an Airtable for you and work with you to get it right so that then you can input the data and get the uh, the display out of it and and you're able to manage it. So just as I'm talking about it, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, I really should be spending more time on Upwork, getting people to do things for me so that I don't have to do them myself. So that's my recommendation for the week is if you want something done and you don't want to spend a gazillion hours trying to learn how to do it, then take the time and explore how somebody from Upwork can help you out. And I'm very happy to talk to anybody who wants to, who's got questions about using one of these platforms. Because as I say, it doesn't always go right. And I have, I've, I've had some duds over the, over the past few years and I've made some mistakes. Yes, if you've got some questions, I'd be delighted to talk to you about it. So, so that's it. Upwork. Well, there we are for another week. Um, yeah, no, no book recommendations for this week. I'm still plowing through some that I want to bring you. And as I said um, a while back, I want to make sure that I have actually read them before I recommend them. Now, I would like to put this out to you. If I have any listeners out there who would like to, to recommend a business book or a book that's helping them be more effective and efficient uh, or or has taught you something that you're using in your business, then I would like you to get in touch with me and we will record a little segment for the podcast where you recommend your book. How does that sound? You know, it's only going to be three minutes or less and I will help you through it. So if that's something that you'd like to do, I'd love to hear from you. And uh, and we can get those recorded pretty darn quick. So that's just about it for now. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope again you've gave you food for thought about making your property more accessible and making it more attractive to this massive underserved market. So once again, let me know at heather at vacationrentalformula.com. If, you're, if you've done something uh, to your property, if you've been able to adapt it in any way to, to make it more accessible and you are reaping the benefits from that. And of course, the benefits come in many ways. The benefits are monetary. And as Andy said, you know, most of the benefits are just the pleasure that you get in helping people who would not normally have been able to go on vacation. And if you're providing them the opportunity to do so, then that is just such a huge benefit to you and to them. So that's it. I'm done for this week. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. 
If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.